people don't realize how different the East Coast and West Coast racing worlds are. They are two different worlds, totally separate worlds. What do you think's different? It's the people. It's the, I'd say how the racing, how people get along is very different. Like I was so used to like everyone's buddies. Like we all, yeah, we all might take each other out, but like we're all kind of cool after the race and like, we'll probably all go hang out at least like a, your kind of group of people, but it's not, I'm really like that in stock car racing and everyone knows everybody and everybody's super friendly. And I feel like in NASCAR racing, everyone's so like uptight. Like dog it's, dog. Yeah. It's like yes. you're constantly having to watch your back. So someone doesn't stab it. <laughs> you're your sponsor. Yes. Yes. And I wasn't used to that stuff. Yeah. Like, at all it's the kenny wallace conversation brought to you by jex hello everyone and welcome to the kenny conversation brought to you by jegs the leader in high performance aftermarket car parts remember to go to jegs.com <laughs> i love saying that well as i always say we got to pause a little bit because um it's time to interview one of the greatest lady racers of our era, Haley Deegan. Haley, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Hanging out at the house today, so just having fun. Yeah, you've been having a lot of fun. Uh, you ran second in that SRX race live on ESPN, the flagship station. The whole world saw you, but let's talk about that a little bit later on. There's there's a little bit to get to. We won't rough you up that bad. Is that all right? That's good. All right. I appreciate it. <laughs> 22 years old. And uh, one thing I never thought about is it's you and your mom against the boys. It's, it's your dad, Brian. And then was it Hudson and Hale, uh, Hudson and Hayden? Is that yep. right? Mm -hmm. do, yeah, do they, two little brothers. Do they rough you up since you're you're the girl of the family? I mean, I think because I was the oldest, I kind of roughed them up growing up. So I I take I take responsibility for their aggressive demeanor <laughs> and personalities. Yeah, and you know sometimes I can relate to your dad Brian because uh, you know they put me on Ritland when I was in school because I was a little off off the charts. I've talked to your dad. Your dad looks, I think. I think your dad and myself could be brothers. What's it up? <laughs> roughly hyper. Is he hyper? Very, very. I'm surprised. I hope I have that much energy when I'm when I'm that age. <laughs> <laughs> so I've noticed that your family and my family are somewhat comparable. So my dad, Russ, my brother, Rusty, my brother, Mike, my mom ran powder puffs. As we all have been able to watch your family grow, it, it seems like you all were always in racing. Now, is that all you know when you grew up? Was it just racing all the time? Yeah, so I got started in racing when I was around eight years old. And I used to be like a super girly girl. Like I really? was in Girl Scouts. I played volleyball. Like I was pink everything like room decorated princess style like i was very girly girl like i was always with my mom always going shopping to the mall together and then as my dad started um racing off-road trucks and getting out of the moto side of his career 
that's when I started really taking interest in it because there was other kids doing it. In the moto scene, when you've made it and you are, are at these top level competitions, there's no kids there. So I, I never got to witness those things until we started going to these off-road races. And then I started witnessing other kids racing. And I, I was like, I didn't even know this was an option for me. And so that's when I started taking interest in it. You know, you really lead me right into this direction. And it was, you know, when I studied your career, uh, man, you're really well balanced. And when I watch your YouTube videos, and I want to get to YouTube later on, but you've raced motorcycles, you've raced go-karts, you've raced uh, trucks, dirt trucks, you know, off-road, uh, closed course. Wow. I mean, you really, you really have only at 22 years old, you, you've done it all. Was that, was that path, was that set? Or did you go, hey, now that I'm running go-karts, I want to, I want to try motorcycles or you did motorcycles first. What was the, the order there? So I started out in off-road trucks. That was the first things that I, I, I drove like little UTVs and stuff, like just around the house, the property quads, like just cruising around, like how every kid does when you got some acres. And so I really got started just in the off-road truck stuff because my dad was doing it. And then when I was just pretty much in that world. And I did go-karting stuff for practice. And a lot of my other friends did it for practice too. So it was like, I got to go and go go-kart track, hang out with my friends, do some races. And my coach at the time, he was, he owned a go-kart track, still does. And so we would always go out there, like our group of friends and go practice. And it was fun. So that's how I kind of got started on the go-kart side of things. And then when I got um, originally picked up to run K&N, ARCA stuff, that's when I started kind of branching out and doing some dirt racing, more like dirt circle track racing and durable racing. So that's what I just really think that for a driver, the most cars you can drive, it's like having another tool in your toolbox. It's just something that you can utilize when you're in situations on the track, be able to pick apart little things or make better decisions or whatever it is. I feel like just being able to have experience in different cars helps. I was out in Sturgis uh, with my brother Rusty mm -hmm. and uh, I can tell Rusty really wants to maybe run the SRX series but but he said he's you know he calls me Herman he says uh he says man you're really fast in your dirt car but but you you keep doing it you got your reps in he says I, I couldn't get back in a and he feels like he couldn't be up to par so so what you're saying is it's the reps it's the constant doing racing eye hand coordination uh that's what you feel really helps you yeah i think that just having being behind the wheel of so many different things i feel like when you're in situations like tough situations i feel like that's when those things come out that you've learned from other vehicles and just getting experience like being able to feel things that you haven't in that certain car because you drove this car over here you're like oh, okay i remember when i drove this it feels similar and be able to kind of work around those things. I think it's just good, especially in stock car racing. It's not cheap to get laps. So uh, it's definitely something that's hard. And so I think utilizing other resources that are more financially, probably a uh, little bit less expensive decision mm. helps a lot. Well, you, you bring up a really good point. I would have never thought about that because, I mean, simple, if you're going to run an Indy car, mm -hmm. like starting an Indy car up is like a huge deal. Like we're going to start the car up, you know? <laughs> Uh, us stock car people, we just fired up, but you, you bring up a good point. So 
I always talk about family with you because I feel like I can relate. So when I first started racing in NASCAR, my brother Rusty was there for me. Now, mind you, my dad was a good racer, my mom, my brother Mike. But I'll never forget, I went to Martinsville for my very first time. And uh, <laughs> my brother Rusty looks at me and goes, you see that curb? I said, yeah, I see that curb on the inside. He goes, you do whatever you got to do to get that left front down on that curb and roll as quick as you can. So my brother gave me advice. Did your dad, did he ever, you know, say, Haley, look, or did he tutor you at all? Do you remember any circumstances where you're like, my dad really helped me there mentally? Did that ever happen? So I think that happened a lot at the beginning of my career when I was doing the off-road truck stuff because he was so versed in that world. By the time I started getting good at it, he's been doing it for years and been a part of it for years. So he knows a lot. He's accomplished a lot in it, won a bunch of championships, tons and tons of races. And so he knew his stuff when it came to that. So he was always able to help me out. Like he spotted me for all my off-road truck races and stuff. And that's that's something that's fairly normal in like the off-road team, like having your dad spot you or someone like say your brother, whoever it is, a part of your crew. But like I feel like there was so many he I you got to keep in mind, like, I am a girl. My demeanor. <laughs> like, I'm I, not, have three, I have three daughters. <laughs> yes. And you probably have realized that your daughters say, who, who are their nieces, nephews, if they're boys, they're, the, your girls are probably a little bit more, a little bit more tamed down and not as aggressive, crazy personality, not as destructive, whatever it is. And I think that because of that, my dad saw that. And because of me being a girl, he was always trying to get me fired up, always trying to make me be more aggressive and kind of, I don't know, like light that fire under me to really like be aggressive. And I think that's something that I learned from him. And I think that was a necessary part of like my growing up in my childhood for being a girl racer, because I feel like just girls are naturally a little bit more tame, a little bit calmer in situations, not as aggressive personalities. So that, that is really interesting. So if your dad would have not roughed you up a little bit, mm -hmm. would you, would you have stayed tame a girl, a girly girl? I don't think I would have been girly girl, but I don't think I would have been as as aggressive personality as like I am, or at least like as aggressive on the track or whatever, or even had as much success as I did. Cause a lot of the success that I had, like even starting out in the stock car stuff came from me being super aggressive and him kind of getting me hyped up before the race. And I, I don't think I would have had that success without him kind of being the person to really like tell me to. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with reminding people. So I want to remind everybody, uh, your dad, Brian, is one of the greatest of all time. Uh, too, he's done too much to read off. But as, <laughs> as they say in modern era, Google it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Google it. <laughs> he, he has truly done it all. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and he cut a path that helped uh, everybody. When, when you, uh, you know, you're young. You're only 22. Mm -hmm. When did, when did it dawn on you that, damn, my dad's famous. Damn, my dad's good. <laughs> do, you remember, I, do you remember a time? I think I've always known my dad's good at what he does, whether it was like the moto side of things, the freestyle motocross, rally cars, off-road trucks. It was kind of just like a 
like I've always known he's good and I, that's a lot of pressure put on someone at like such mm. a for me like being a young age you're a little naive and so like I go and I'm like oh yeah I just kind of expect my dad to win like type yeah. of deal just because you get <laughs> <laughs> which I guess now like my dad's good probably a lot of pressure to put on him as as, you, as his daughter but I think that's his success and everything that he has like there's so much I feel like I can learn from that and he's accomplished so many things whether it's winning 16 X Games medals, winning rally car races, off-road truck races. Like, he's truly won everything he has done. So, clothing yeah, he's got to figure it out. He's got ma- He had a massive clothing company that was super, super successful, like crazy successful. Like, as someone who has their own merchandise company and also another clothing brand, it's hard. It's hard to get started out. It's hard to build those relationships and figure out how to run a business, especially being new at it, like not having other people come in and do it for you. So, okay, we've established kind of uh, who you are, where you're from, your mom, your brothers, the whole early part of your career. So let's, let's, let's move to NASCAR. So you had success. I've Googled you. You've had success. Uh, you went to uh, the West Series. Mm-hmm. How did you go from the early part of your career, what was the phone call? What do you remember about, hey, I'm going to, uh, I remembered as the Winston West series, but that's mm-hmm. a tough series. When, when do you remember that, that taking place? Now we're going out of, out of that into the NASCAR type cars. Yeah. So I, I haven't really told, I guess, like the in-depth story of how it all played out. So I was, my mom, uh, 14, I was about 15 years old at that time. And you got to look at it. NASCAR is the biggest form of racing, in my opinion, in America. It's if like, I feel like that's where I wanted to end up because there were so many, it's like the eyes on it. It's just looked at as like the crown jewel of racing. And when you're growing up, like, oh, I want to make it to NASCAR. And so that was something that like, it was in the back of my mind a little bit, but I was racing off-road trucks and I kind of had peaked there a little bit as in like, there wasn't much more to accomplish like there because it is a smaller smaller series of racing and a smaller form of racing to where there isn't like many more levels to go up to once you kind of hit the pro classes and do good there so after that i was like man like i was 15 years old and i think my parents kind of saw it too that like what's next like like i can't just be okay with where i'm at like 15 and not work for anything else and so I that's when my mom had signed me up for the NASCAR diversity program. Well, I'm and, the damn. No, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So she signed me up. And it's funny because she actually, when she was signing me up online, it said how the forms failed or whatever. It didn't go through yada, yada, yada. And she's like, man, it's not working. And then it just so happened that the forms actually went through. <laughs> and so, wow. yeah. And because of that, I came out to North Carolina and tested a it was for the legend the junior like uh, diversity program that they have for legend cars uh, to race at the summer shootout I ended up uh, trying out for that and I made it and I ended up racing the full summer shootout because that in North Carolina I like it's so funny when I explain this to people because I always say like oh back in California back in California back on the west coast people don't realize how different the east coast and west coast racing worlds are they are Two different worlds, totally separate worlds. What do you think's different? It's the people. It's the, I'd say how the racing, how people get along is very different. Like I was so used to like everyone's buddies. Like 
we all, yeah, we all might take each other out, but like, we're all kind of cool after the race and like, we'll probably all go hang out at least like a, your kind of group of people, but it's not, I really like that in stock car racing and everyone knows everybody and everybody's super friendly. And I feel like in NASCAR racing, everyone's so like uptight. Like, Doggy it's, dog. yeah, it's like yes. you're constantly having to watch your back. So someone doesn't stab it. <laughs> you're your sponsor. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I wasn't used to that stuff yeah. like at, at all. And so getting back to what I was saying, I always get off track. <laughs> Haley, this is Kenny conversation. We we had we had the Tony Stewart said the same thing, but yeah, it's okay because we're we're in no order here. But okay. anyway, yeah. So you uh you, you signed up for the diversity program. Yes, and I said, that. what's the difference between East Coast, West Coast? I oh, agree yeah. with you. So anyway. You're, you got to the diversity program and we're yes. trying to get Winston West racing. So that's, and I didn't even know what the, the K&N series was. I didn't know the difference between a late model and a super late model. Like this was all foreign to me. Like I was so new, I'm 15 years old and I was stuck in my world on the West coast of off-road racing. And so I came over here and I ended up doing a late model test. And like my parents were just like, well, like, we see that late models are kind of like the next thing to go. And my parents were kind of foreign to it too. And they're like, well, let's go do a test or something to see if you even like can drive one. <laughs> and yeah, so, they're, they're tough, tough yeah. competition. Yeah. And so that's when I went to, uh, it was at Hickory or no, it was Greenville, Hickory and Greenville Pickens. We did a two day test. And so I want to try two different tracks. Uh, no clue why. <laughs> no clue. And so we ended up going out there and there was someone there who had a connection with Toyota and mm. did some sort of testing with some other girls at Toyota. And they ended up coming to us and we're like, Hey, I Toyota has been looking for some girls or whatever, like been kind of scouting around and know. And they're like, do you care if we call them? And my parents were like, sure. Like, I don't know. Like, we don't know what that entails. And so I guess the guy ended up calling them. They got in contact with us. And then that's when I got a test at Irwindale in a K&N car. And I still remember it to this day. It was in Todd Gillen's K&N car when he drove for BMR, the 16 car um, right. at Irwindale. We ended up testing there and I did really good. And there was a few other girls that they tested out. And I ended up doing the best out of those group of girls. And there was, I guess it was like, a, they've been testing girls constantly. Um, and so I am doing really good with that. And I got a three-year contract with Toyota um, to go K&N racing. And so that's how I ended up actually getting into the K&N West series with Bill McNally. I'm going to make sure Charlie clips this part right here. I would have, I had no idea. And I don't think many people know that that's how you, Mm -mm. You know, one of your roads is the diversity. And and literally, you know, when, when people are looking for an in and here your mom just got on the internet. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and put it in there. So, and you, you know, what's so funny, what's so coincidental, like that the racing world is small, very small. When I went for my first year for the diversity program, I guess my only year that I did to race the summer shootout, my boyfriend, who we've been dating for three, over three years now, and he was racing for the diversity program at that time in the K&N stuff. And so, like, we've always known anybody each other for, like, yeah. ever since, like, in North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I met my boyfriend at the diversity program. Oh, he's, yeah. he's a boy and I'm a girl. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, NASCAR watches all the Kenny conversations. So, let me get that right. That is a NASCAR West series. I'm an old guy. 
So yeah, oh. when Winston was around, you know, the tobacco company, uh-huh. it was the, you know, the Winston West series, oh, yeah. but it is now NASCAR West series. So you went on, there, there's no doubt you're, re- you're really good. I watched a lot of your races. You, you had to, because you became the first female driver in history to win. And you didn't win one. You won in 2018, 2019. Now, I loved watching those races because now that I'm talking to you, your dad came out in you a little bit. Them, them boys were blocking you. Wouldn't give you no room. And short track racing, you know, I lived 27 years in, in Concord, North Carolina, just like you. Moved mm-hmm. from St. Louis there. When you grow up around the bull rings, you just can't pass. Yeah, it, it's, it's hard to get up underneath somebody. So sometimes you got to move them. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you moved them. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, but you did it right. You, you got them, you know, up out of the groove, getting into the corner. What do you remember about those two, what I call groundbreaking wins, first lady racer to win in the NASCAR West Series? What do you remember? I remember the one at Vegas on dirt. That was badass. Yeah, yeah that one was cool. So I'll be super honest with you. And like, this is something that I probably, I I feel comfortable saying around you to where you won't bash my dad for doing this, but. No, because you know, me and your dad are always like yeah, this. So. My dad was always amping me up in racing. I think we've gotten the point of that. And my spotter at the time, I was pretty close with him, my first win. And my dad was always like, and we always had talked about, like, if I was in second, like, I'm moving him. Like, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big deal. And it might have been kind of that information fed into me by my dad a little bit. bit. Um, But (laughs) I remember when I was in second, my dad, you got to think about it. most people have radios and stuff. Like when you're kind of at local races, my dad keyed up on the radio with like a lap or two to go and told me to move it, <laughs> which I had already kind of planned to, but he keyed up and did that in like for the next two to three years. Like it's finally, I'd say two years ago, it's kind of passed now, but that was like the talk for a while. How's like my dad's a crazy dad on the radio. <laughs> and I'm like, he's not, he, he just keyed up one time to remind me. Time to win. Oh, yeah. Which I'm like, I'm thankful he did. Like, I don't, I didn't see a problem with it, especially back in the day. I didn't see a problem with it. Now I'm like, obviously you can't do that during like a truck race or something. But back then, like we were so foreign to it that like, I'm like, he would have keyed up and told me that in any other, like, and he has like back when I was younger racing, I'm like, I didn't see a problem with it. I won. So I really didn't. <laughs> well, you know what, Haley, uh, obviously, I'm a lot older than you. And years ago, the great Dale Earnhardt Sr., uh, he became the intimidator. And here's why. Because you look in your mirror and you would see Dale Sr. coming, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you would try to race him. Well, he, he wouldn't give you three seconds. Yeah. He popped you right in the ass and moved you out of the way. <laughs> so then I said, one of the reasons Earnhardt won so many races is because every time we looked in our mirrors and we saw Dale Sr. coming, we moved out of the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. He didn't have to race nobody. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Blame it on your dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No one on him. It wasn't me me driving, it was him, for sure. Yeah, that's badass. Okay, so you won races 2018, 2019, 
NASCAR West Series, big wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we're going to move on to the big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're going to go east. Uh, you, you've talked about it a little bit, but at what point did the whole fam family say, you know, we're, we're like the clampets on Beverly Hillbillies. We're, we're moving east. Because uh, when did that happen? So we didn't actually move to the East Coast full time, like really ever. And oh. like I didn't until I was on my own out here. Because I, I have a little brother who races full time now, Supercross, Pro Motocross. And he has just gone pro this year. But he was this rising star in the amateur ranks that like, like a big star won everything there is. Danger Deegan. Yeah, yeah, that would be him. And so <laughs> like he is literally, he's looked at as like the guy, especially in the amateur ranks growing up, that like if Hayden didn't win, what happened? Why, why didn't he win? It was that type of deal where it's like the pressure is to not lose. And so I, they were so focused on also him. They kind of got me going, got me mm-hmm. in the motion of things. And then they were so focused on him and making sure his career was good. And Moto's all on the West Coast for the most mm-hmm. part, at least like it has been until the past couple of years. And so they still had to be there with him. And he was training every single day, going to the track every single day, practicing. So like it takes a lot. And so I knew that kind of going into it, we were out here part-time. My parents had built a house up in Morganton, North Carolina. And we were out here part-time when we kind of could be, when we got on like the spurts of um, East Coast races, when I was doing ARCA and that that sort of things. But we were never out here full-time. Yeah. So so you finally make the move and you end up going uh, in the NASCAR trucks here. So, so to this day, here's where we're at. You, you race right now in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. You run a Ford mm-hmm. for Ford Motorsports, number 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was always a little worried about the number 13, but I started 13th at Volusia and won my very first Xfinity race. What do you think about 13? Is that okay with you? I mean, I'm not a superstition person. <laughs> I've never been like all these superstitions that I hear of like, I didn't have that growing up. I never heard of it. People were really? like, oh, you can't. And I think I kind of broke that when people are like, oh, you can't have a green car. And then I won with the k car, my monster uh, energy car. And so I was like, eh, okay, not real. And I then like, there was one about like, you can't eat like chicken on race day or have peanuts on race day. Yeah. And I'm, I don't like peanut butter. So I'm fine with that. But I'm like, there's a lot of superstitions. I feel like I learn a new one with every single person I meet. <laughs> so I'm going to broach this conversation, and you're going to answer it any way you want. Okay. Uh, Kenny, conversation is fun. We don't get anybody in trouble. Uh, we're in NASCAR now. You're in the truck series. Mm-hmm. It just seems to me like when I watch these races, uh, those boys – a lot of the times take advantage of you. They wreck the shit out of you. And and, and I, and I'm a, listen, I ran 905 NASCAR races. Mm-hmm. And I remind everybody of that. I've been there, done it. Uh, do they wreck you? I would say it's a, it's a double-edged sword because I don't think people go out there and just like, I'm going to go after Haley and yeah. type deal. I don't think it's like that, but I think it's maybe I've been, over the last two and a half years, a little bit less aggressive because I kind of wanted to take a step back. And I knew the truck series was going to be hard. I knew going into it. Yeah. 
And I still had a lot to learn. I didn't know a lot about the mechanical side of stock cars. Like even still going into the truck series, I was still learning so much and I still am learning a lot. But, and I feel like there's always more to learn, (laughs) but it was something to where I'm like, you know, I'm going to be less aggressive. I'm going to be less of the person coming in here going like, I'm going to smoke all you guys type deal. Like I'm not going to be that person going to the truck series because it's going to be hard. And I know that. And so I kind of took a step back. And I think with that, I became a little bit less aggressive. And so I think I got into the, the category of people that like, there's certain people on the track that you kind of know you can take advantage of. And I think, yeah. And I think I put myself like, didn't mean to, but like almost accidentally put myself into that category. And so I think this last year, I've tried to be more aggressive, tried to kind of get back what I had before. And I feel like because I was looked at as a person that's not as aggressive or not as, they're easy to take advantage of. And I think because I was looked at like that, that I wasn't, that when I do start being aggressive, I just get junked. <laughs> that like, yeah. but there's yeah. no like intimidation factor. Right. Yeah, I get that. And you know what? I wasn't going to go to, this situation now but but it's the perfect time and i I can't help myself Mm -hmm. so you you ran second in the big srx race at eldora so Mm -hmm. no matter what no matter what we think of the srx series it's really famous Mm -hmm. we we know the cars are what they are Mm -hmm. Uh, we know there's 12 or 13 but when you ran second tony stewart got out of his car and said damn Haley is really good on dirt. And then your interview for me, because I have three daughters, your interview was very emotional because I've raced so much. I could see in your eyes. The glisten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you were happy because you, you have been roughed up over the last two years. Yeah. But, but all racers go through that. But what I really drew my attention to was that you said, you know, and we all do it, Haley. I'm not just saying this to you. Even even Mark Martin said, listen, when we win, we say, oh, no, when's our next win going to be? So you've been roughed up lately over the last two years. You get the second place finish at Eldora. Tony Stewart says, oh, my God, she's an incredible dirt racer. But you you said I have been lacking some confidence lately. And and we all do. Mm -hmm. What techniques do you use? Like like uh, I had square D. And I'm and I'm popular for telling the truth. They spent 22 grand on me going to Topeka, Kansas, to take sports therapy. Really? I, I my brother Rusty chewed my ass, and he goes, "You you should have came to me. I'd have helped you." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So so you know you don't have to say anything, but do you have you used any techniques here lately? Because it sounds to me like you need to start, you know. Mm-hmm. getting going again yeah. what's, what's the latest on confidence and techniques of getting your mojo back so it's funny actually about two to three weeks ago like I always felt like I was going in a downward and I'll be honest about it like I felt like I was going in a downward spiral obviously when you aren't doing good in racing or at least having those results it don't matter if you're running 10th and you get wrecked people look at that number they go on that racing reference and they look up oh she finished 36 well yeah because i was running eighth and i got junked <laughs> but well that's what i meant from early you get wrecked yeah. a lot yeah yeah and so people look a lot at that end number and don't see how it went throughout the race and i think with that though it becomes like okay what if sponsors are getting unhappy what if 
whoever the team's not believing you, whatever it is. Like, I feel like, and I, those aren't things like uh, my team believes in me and I'm super thankful for that. I have a really good crew of guys behind me, but like, obviously it makes it tougher to get new sponsors. If I do want to move up to Xfinity, which I do, it makes it hard to find sponsors when those results aren't there. And plain and simple, because people look at that end result number and and don't see if you are getting better or you're not, whatever it is. But uh, with that, I just felt like I was spiraling and my confidence was completely gone. Start questioning myself of like, man, can I really do this? Like, do I have it in me to go to that next level? Do I have that? Do I have the ability to? And I just kind of like, I started talking to a few people about it and I actually started working with again as of two weeks ago, started talking to him and he actually came to that SRX stage with me, was my old driving coach, like driving mental coach. Um, he helped me out when I was winning in the off-road stuff. Um, helped me. He's the one that owns a go-kart track, Troy Adams. And he helped me through my whole start of K&N and all of that. And then once he, because he lives on the West Coast, once I kind of came East Coast, uh, his son races too. So it's hard to make that happen. <laughs> so but I actually started working with him again. And he came to this last race, came to the SRX race and the truck race. Just super happy he was there to see me do good at the SRX race. But he helped me so much build my confidence back in the day. Like I, I definitely wasn't cocky back in the day, but I did not lack confidence. Like I thought I was one badass person <laughs> back in the day. And you start to question those things when you don't get those results that you want to or start hearing the noise going around from the outside coming in. And I think that working with him is something that's definitely, even now I feel like started to help my confidence. So um, when the SRX series started uh, this year, uh, Don Hawk called me, there was an IndyCar driver that got a ride real quick and they needed a driver. So they called me up. So I came to the Stafford two race mm -hmm. and uh I saw you standing by yourself and I didn't like that. <laughs> so I come over to you. And I'm say, used to it. <laughs> no, well, well, I don't like that. What, what, do, do, the, do the boys sometime, it, did they not talk to you or, or what's that? What's that? Yeah, I don't hang out with you. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so what? like the stock car and maybe it's changed a lot back from like when you've raised versus like how it is now, but no drivers like everyone well a few people have their little like clicks of like two to four people but like no drivers really hang out or anything like pre-race or talk to each other a whole lot there's a few that do but like i don't feel like i'm a part of those groups <laughs> well i i noticed that i come up and said something to you and then uh i was it wasn't 30 minutes later some one of my friends you know uh said, yeah, I felt bad for Haley too. She kind of sitting there by herself, but it, it but times have changed because it, it was never that way. I mean, Rusty, Rusty Wallace, Dale Earnhardt Sr., they were friends. I mean, they went on, mm -hmm. on the, you know, they went, you know, on yachts together and, you know, Mark Martin and Ernie Irvin, you know, mm -hmm. were staying at each other's houses and, you know, they, it, somehow they could separate that, you know? Yeah. Um, I feel like people struggle to separate that now. I, I think competition and remember, this is a conversation. Mm -hmm. I, I think what I've noticed is everything is so hardcore now. Mm -hmm. You know, back in our day, you got one sponsor and that's all you needed. Yeah. For the whole year. Mm -hmm. and I always got all my own sponsors. And that's yeah. what I was. I was popular for running my mouth, <laughs> selling product <laughs> and doing good on the racetrack. Mm -hmm. uh, 
but now I agree with you. You kind of got me at thinking that it takes six, eight sponsors a year. Yeah. Uh, everything's so damn expensive and everybody's got a pin up their butt and you know, everybody's afraid you're going to get them. Yeah. Um, well, that, that, that bums me out a little bit. Mm -hmm. nobody, nobody talks to each other because I, I noticed that and, 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 um, yeah, that, that's, that's a bitch. I don't like that. But <laughs> yeah, I don't either. It, it's kind of weird. Like you think with, like we're all, a lot of us are the same age. Like you would think we all live in the same town, towns that are close to each other. Like you would think that like more drivers would kind of like, and maybe it's different as you go up the ranks a little bit. I don't know. And mm -hmm. so like, I don't know how it is in Xfinity or Cup, but like the truck stuff, like it's harsh. Like it's, no one says like, a lot of times I feel like I make people uncomfortable because I'm the driver that like, if another driver walks by me, I'll say hi. And yeah. like, I feel like they get uncomfortable. Like, why are you talking to me type deal? I'm like, sorry, just trying to be nice. <laughs> Do you think they're afraid to talk to you because they might have a girlfriend or a wife and they feel like, oh, I'm talking to a girl. My wife's going to jump my ass. I don't think so because like, it will just, I just, it's not even talk to me. Like I just go, I just say hi as I'm walking yeah. by. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not even trying to start a conversation. I just try and be nice. I say yeah. hi to everybody. I always ask how everybody is like, and I feel, I don't know. I see it. I see it with other drivers though. Like guy to guy. I do see it a lot with that too. So that's what makes me believe it's not just because I'm a girl type deal. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I do want to say this. Uh, the truck series is hard because they got a lot of side force, a lot of drag. Mm -hmm. You're in the throttle 99% of the time. If you know, you can't let out of the gas. I, 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 I want you to get to the Xfinity series because although you, you use a lot of throttle, there's times you can, you know, roll up off the throttle. Yeah. So th those trucks are a son of a booger. Yeah. They're a handful. They are a handful. And I think with the truck series, something that has hurt me so much. Like I am a, I feel like every driver is different. What works, what every driver's strengths and weaknesses are different. What they need to succeed is different. And I think for me, what I need to most of the time be fast somewhere, like even if I'm behind a little bit, I know I can get to the pace that I need to be at. It might take a few laps or so. I know I can get there, but practice. Like I went into the truck series with no practice whatsoever my first year. I was going well, to that coronavirus. You guys uh -huh. couldn't practice either. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people forget that. So like my first year, I feel like was almost a wash because I was going to all these new tracks with not one lap on the track, never qualified there. I'm trying to figure out how to drive this damn truck that is unstable as hell whenever you get behind someone. Wide open, just my God. Yeah, you're like wide open. And then I'm like, oh, I'm significantly faster this guy. I'm about 10 truck lengths back. And all of a sudden you get five and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so free. I wasn't this before. I'm super tight. And so it's like, it was so hard for me. And it's still, I still feel like I have a challenge with it. But that first year I had no practice, no qualifying, never figured out what the limit of the truck was. I feel like ever because I was constantly in dirty air, constantly in traffic. And then going in the second year, it's like, okay, you'll get um, 15 minutes, 20 minutes of practice, which that's not enough time to mock up, not enough time to do any of that. So we go out there and you're expected to fire off initially on pace. 
I'm like, okay, well, I have never drove this. <laughs> like, I'm two years. This is my What's second wrong, year. Haley? And I know, I know, I know. They're like, why aren't you talking to work? I'm like, I'm trying. <laughs> and you expect to go out there. You're like, okay, I've never qualified here. So I don't know what the limit of this truck is when we go out on brand new tires, not in traffic type deal. And you're expected to go qualify good or go be top of the board in practice. And like, I feel like that was something I struggled with so much. And so I'm trying to build this notebook off 15 to 25 minutes of practice, <laughs> like in trying to get clean air and qualifying. Like I'm taking notes. I'm like, ah, I don't think I hit the limit of the truck here. It's my first time qualifying here. So I don't know. And then there's a tracks like quite a few. I know quite a few tracks got rained out practice and qualifying um, my second year because I have a bunch of blank races for that category. So I'm, I'm going my third year into this going, I still don't know the limit of the truck here at this place. You, you know, um, Jeff Gordon and myself and Bobby Labonte, we, we came into the cup series together. Mm -hmm. We were three rookies. And as time went on, one thing that I learned about Jeff Gordon was that Jeff grew up as a, as a big horsepower driver. He grew up in open wheel midgets, then the big sprint cars. But the moral of the story is this, when he ran the, the IROC series, mm -hmm. uh, low horsepower, he didn't show up very good. I've always thought that Jeff was a high horsepower driver, very good with throttle control. Mm -hmm. uh, I just wanted to let you know also that, that Jimmy Johnson barely won one Xfinity race at Chicago and then went to the Cup Series. So it, it's, it's a total false statement that you have to be good in trucks before you go to the Xfinity series. Uh, yeah. There's plenty of examples out there. I just wanted to tell you that. So I want to see you get to the Xfinity series. It's a complete, listen, I'm the mayor. I ran the most races in that series to this day. I got the most starts. Really? Oh yeah. 544 Xfinity yeah. starts. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, tr the truck series is, is, just balls of the wall. Yeah. You or never let off the gas. It's, you know, ah. Yeah. All right. So we're going to, we're going to start slowing down here a little bit. I roughed okay. you up enough. Out of everything you drove, out of everything you drove, what, what's the most fun? Now I ask everybody this question. What's the most fun vehicle that any, even could be even be your life. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it's a vehicle combo of like the track you go to. Cause like, I really, really enjoyed driving the Xfinity car. Like it was almost like a breath of fresh air at Vegas, but really? also I love mile and a half racing. And yeah. so that's something that's like, and I always tend to do a little better on mile and a half, but that's something to where I'm like, okay, maybe I just really like this Xfinity car because I was on a mile and a half, <laughs> but yeah. no, I just, like that was a lot of fun um man that as the srx car eldor it was hard to be it's hard to be <laughs> like it's yeah. man it was so much fun like it was i did not expect it i watched the race back do some homework beforehand that race that we went to um out eldora played a lot on the simulator and i'm like it's not gonna get slicked off in the middle like it would like a dirt late mile race or a sprint car race i was like it because of what it was the year previous, the cushion and like, there was still a lot of moisture, I would say two lanes down from the wall. So I was like, it's not gonna be necessary to run that high or anything to make speed. 
And so then we went there, and then all of a sudden, cushion's blown up, cushion's blown up, keeps getting a little higher, a little higher. And I'm like, damn, we are going to be on the fence. And I'm like, this is going to be sick. I like you. So when we um, we went there and all of a sudden that started happening, I saw Tony in the top and the bottom never got worked in. And I expected, I practiced on the simulator, slow rolling the bottom, kind of seeing where the moisture was on the straightaways, corners, because I saw, um, man, what's his name? He raced the SRX race there um at Eldora previously he finished I think second to Tony um his name starts is he a dirt racer racer. I guess he he does dirt and he does I think also pavement midgets or sprint cars oh oh hell I don't know I don't remember I don't remember but I remember seeing him slow roll the bottom yeah yeah yeah. and and, yep and so and I practiced it on the simulator. And then all of a sudden we were ripping the top. I was like, this is probably the coolest thing I've ever done. And it looks cool too. It's hard to make stock cars look cool sometimes. Like I feel like they look so glued to the track a lot of times. And even the dirt racing, like when you go Bristol dirt, we went to Knoxville in the truck series. Like it didn't look that fast. Like you're so used to these badass dirt cars that you like. You second at Knoxville. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I ran second in Knoxville, but like it kind of, you're slow rolling the bottom. Yeah. When you're ripping the boards, it's a totally different story. <laughs> yeah. And you, and you never, what, what I was impressed with at the SRX race, you, you never allowed the front end to push on entry. You know, yeah. Tony was dead sideways all night long, which oh, yeah. surprised me because mm-hmm. uh, he'll usually drive a little straight, but yeah. So SRX race, you, you like that car? I you, really enjoyed that. Like, I don't know if it's just because it's the latest thing in my mind, but that was so much fun at Eldora. What are your thoughts right now on, and, and I ask everybody this, but you're awfully young, so I don't know how you can answer this, but I'll give mm-hmm. it a go. Okay. What, what are your thoughts on the sport of NASCAR uh, when you look at it? You know, the Cup Series, the next gen, uh, the talk of, going international, uh, you know, racing through the streets of Chicago. Um, I find you wise. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you think of where NASCAR is going in general, all three series? I think, I don't know where they're trying to go. So it's hard to say on that side. As for the Chicago race, it, and this is a conversation I've had with a few people. Yes, the views are going to be good. How good were the views of the initial Bristol dirt race? They were great. You're bringing NASCAR cup cars are going on dirt. That's never happened before. Yeah, the views are going to be great. And same thing with Chicago. You're bringing the first ever street course to NASCAR. Views are going to be great. It doesn't mean they're always going to be great, though. You see the Bristol dirt views, they've gone down. And so it becomes a little less appealing. And And I think it's... It's hard to say because I don't know exactly where they're going, but like there's plenty of badass road courses that we can go to, like a bunch of them. And so like Chicago, I think it was cool, like as a one-off deal, but like, I don't think there needs to be like three or four of them on the schedule. I think there's plenty of great road courses to go to as it is. I think one is fine. I'm, I'd be totally okay with that. Shoot, man, if I make it to Cup, I'll be happy with that. <laughs> it's okay because we're, we're big fans of the sport. You can talk yeah. about any division you want. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a big fan of NASCAR. And, like, I don't yeah. ever want to be hating on NASCAR or anything like that because, like, 
I come home after a truck race and like I sit on the couch and I watch the Xfinity race. I watch the full cup race because I enjoy it. Like, cause I truly love it. You're and a I racer. Love that I'm a part of it. Yeah. I watch, I swear I have more subscriptions to dirt vision flow. Race. <laughs> I, I put it on Chromecast on my big TV. Oh yeah. We have the same thing. <laughs> different dirt series. I'm like, man, we probably spent like, 500 a thousand bucks a month and just subscriptions to watch dirt racing every night like you learn a lot and you learn a lot yeah yeah but i enjoy it i love it like that's all i watch we don't watch tv shows we don't watch movies we watch dirt racing every single night and so like i just love racing but as for where it's headed international i i don't know i've never raced international before yeah it's and i feel like that would be very it'd be a lot like a lot which It'd be a lot of work, a lot of money. And I think the biggest hurdle with the sport right now is the money coming in versus the money going out Mm -hmm. is you can't just be relying on these big investors in a team or people with money partnering in the teams to offset the cost of what's not coming in for sponsor dollars. And so I think it's making the appeal come back to where sponsors do want to be a part of it, but you have to in order to do that, it comes with eyes. It comes with viewership. And so I think there's there's a lot that would have to get sorted to bring it back to what it was back in the day. And times have changed. Social media has gotten popular. And now there's a high demand for social media views and stuff, even for my side of things. And yeah. so that's how a lot of times I'm selling sponsors. And I'm so thankful that the times have changed because I'd probably been be racing a few years ago if I was trying to make it in those sorts of things, because I didn't have social media to utilize to bring sponsors in. Haley, I'm going to tell you something straight up. And if people have made it this far (laughs) in this awesome conversation, you know, we clip it up and put it on YouTube, but I'll share with you. And I tell some of my close friends, my, my sponsors, they don't care about my race cars. They, Mm -hmm. they want my social media. Uh, and, and, and I try to tell the kids that are shy, they, um, Hey Wallace, you got all that NASCAR money. I'm like, you dumbass. You know, I love when people say you have NASCAR money. You're like, Oh no. <laughs> but, but so let's, this could be a five minute conversation, two yeah. minute conversation, but we're at the end now. So YouTube, uh, mm-hmm. millions and millions of views. Uh, your family is so, so famous for YouTube, when, mm-hmm. when, when YouTube or just social media, because I, I've watched you kids, your brothers, you, your dad, your mom, you all are all in and you yeah. understand. And I understand the power of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's what has kept my career going. And you just reference it about you. That's why you, I have a career right now. <laughs> you got a great career. Well, when was the first time did your mom or dad sit you down and said, hey, this YouTube thing, when, at what age do you remember this, this sensation, you know, uh, of YouTube and, and their sponsors like it? Mm-hmm. W- what age were you? Do you remember the talk your family had with you? We need content. Uh, my dad was always about making content as in like, he was always the he always put on a really good act when X games came around, they would film skits like dirt bike skits oh. with crew of guys and post it on YouTube and stuff. And I'm talking like, OG YouTube days, 10, 15 years ago. He got and it early. Early. Yeah. 
And so he was already kind of doing that stuff and he loved doing it. He really, he enjoys dressing up in like outfits and doing skits. Like, <laughs> like back in the day and it, they were super funny. Like him and his buddies would film stuff for YouTube. And that's back when like, I feel like those were kind of popular. And so it was, he's always doing crazy stuff. And so I kind of just like learned from him. And then he started Instagram. Like I still remember to this day when, one of my aunts came over and was talking about Instagram for the first time. Like I was little and I don't even know how I remember, but I remember us all us making an account and I had just got an iPhone for the first time. And my family had just switched from Blackberries to iPhones. Oh, the legendary Blackberry. <laughs> yeah, I and um, I remember they came over and we all downloaded Instagram and stuff. And we just kind of started doing it from there. My dad started like clipping up his like, or putting pictures of his dirt bike on there and it was so new everything was so new back then and he was already doing Facebook so he had a big Facebook following my mom was helping him run that but like he never really took it super serious because YouTube for him back then didn't make money and neither did Instagram or neither did Facebook and so it was more just a way to get views and then people would sponsor you for who you are and then you right. go do what you do and so now it's transitioned into okay, YouTube pays pretty good money. Monetization money is pretty, it's better than any other platform. And Instagram doesn't pay. Facebook pays a little bit. TikTok pays a little bit. And so all these platforms now are, some of them are monetizing, some of them aren't, but the real money is in selling ads for them. So I have a separate manager who just separately, all away from racing and like two different businesses sells my ads for YouTube. He calls me, says, hey, I got a deal from so-and-so. Um, it's for this much money, 60-second ad. I'll give you the read and the product will be there tomorrow. And I go, okay, no problem. And I do, it takes me an hour, 30 minutes, an hour to film, knock it I off. Over, and I that's where them. I make my money um, on YouTube. And so the racing stuff, the money I bring in for racing, that goes right back out. It's sponsor money to pay for racing. And I live off that money on YouTube ads and those sorts of things. And so a lot of the times, like I try to keep both separate because I never want to have to touch my racing money to survive. And that, that money is going directly back in so we go to the racetrack. <laughs> yeah, th th this is a great story. So for all the races that are watching, uh, people say, Wallace, you got that NASCAR money. That's the reason you run the, you win those dirt races. I said, no, YouTube money. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, know. Right. I think about it and I, I have, I put a hundred percent of my effort into racing. I always make sure all my right. racing obligations are done before I do anything. That is my goal. I always make sure I'm done watching footage, doing the simulator stuff. And I figured out a good balance of fitting in the social media side of things. So where we just, my boyfriend naturally films all the races and I just do my normal thing. I don't even, it's become so normal for me, but when we're back at home, filming those ad type deals that happens after all my racing obligations are done after all the meetings, the zoom calls, the, the posts for this sponsor, the doing this conference, whatever it is, all that happens preparing for races and all that happens after. And I figured out a good way to fit that in. But if I, I, I could be probably making some decent chunk of money if I was putting my full effort into YouTube, but I'm not because I want to be a racer. That's what, I love to do. That's what I want to do. And that's where I want my career to be. The YouTube side of things that just, it just helps. Yeah. Haley, listen, I, I already knew it. One of the reasons I wanted to have a conversation with you is because I feel like uh, you're rare. You, you, you do got it going on. I hope that everybody watches this 
realizes how wise you are and you understand a lot. Uh, you know, you're not just a pretty girl trying to run a race car. Uh, I have three daughters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love them with my life. And I see what you're doing is not easy. It, you know, it, race is not easy for the boys. Yeah. So I want, I want to thank you so much uh, for coming on Kenny Conversation. Uh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> and, and you get to that Xfinity series. Uh, uh, I see what's up. Everybody follows everybody. And we all, we all, the whole garage area has peripheral vision. Yeah. It's, it, whether you want to know about somebody's career or not, you're going to know because you got, everybody sees what's up. So uh, do good. And remember everybody, we are in podcast form. We're on uh, iTunes or Spotify. And as we always say, please like and subscribe right here. And uh, Haley, I guess I'm going to see you at uh, Lucas Oil Speedway. Yeah, I'll see you in a few days. (laughs) I'm going to be racing you, girl. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have fun. We'll have fun. (laughs) Thank you, Haley. No, thank you. I appreciate it.